G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to understanding in some ways what happens in the way that Christians deliver services and thoughts and influence in the broader community. Sometimes we talk about the church and sometimes we talk about those organizations which are often ecumenical insofar as lots of denominations and people of no denomination involved and they might be called parachurch organizations. Bill Muhlenberg has been reflecting on church and parachurch this week and Bill, a special welcome back to 2020. Always good to be with you. Bill, I suppose we would say church and parachurch are all one church in one definition but Certainly, they do have some slight differences, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, So, I mean, whole libraries, of course, have been devoted to what is church and what is church supposed to do and all the rest. I tried to simplify that one in my piece by looking at least four sorts of main things that a church should be involved in and then show how that differs from a parachurch. A church usually is about the corporate worship of God. That's one thing. Uh, Two, the teaching and training of the people, usually preaching the Word every Sunday. Uh, Three, of course, just time of fellowship, corporate life together. And fourth, uh, doing the sacraments together. So that's, uh, well, some might differ, but generally that's roughly what we think about when we talk church. On the other hand, as you said, there's a kind of a trans-denominational matter. Uh, Parachurch groups are simply those that work alongside of the local church. They don't take its place, they don't seek to do what a church does, but they may have a more specialized ministry uh, outreach of various kinds that helps to supplement what the church is doing. So, well, guess what? World Vision is a parachurch group, and so is uh, Vision Christian Radio, which were part of uh, Mercy Ministries. You know, Samaritan's Purse would be a uh, uh, type of this, and apologetics ministry can be a uh, teaching ministry, uh, all kinds of things, Bible translation, Wycliffe, and so on. So there's probably thousands of uh, parachurch ministries. Again, they don't take the place of the church, but they help supplement what the church does. And as you say, they often involve working with a number of churches. And as such, they're not under the umbrella always or under the authority of a particular church or denomination, but hopefully they work together with them. It's like they have a more specified calling, a a unique way of approaching a particular area of Christian ministry, and they become well qualified to do that. Mm. Yes, it's uh, often, no, not always, but often a kind of a single 
missions, say some might specialize in apologetics, some might be uh, devoted entirely to the pro-life cause, some, you know, focus on the family to marriage and family issues. So it doesn't have to be a single issue kind of group, but often it can be. And as I say in my piece, I guess there's dangers both ways. Um, Sometimes churches can almost end up becoming single-issue type outfits. Uh, I've been to some churches, for example, what are sometimes called the peace churches. Uh, It seems every Sunday you go, it's the same message. You know, it's anti-war, it's pro-pacifism. I mean, to do that now and then is something, but to kind of make your entire uh, year uh, on those issues. So a church can kind of get one-eyed, if you will, but parachurch groups, if they're not careful, can sometimes maybe almost infringe upon the church. Let me give you an example, not to pick on anyone, and these guys, you know, are doing their best, but when I was with one missions group in Europe, um, obviously they worked with the local churches and encouraged people to get involved with the local churches, but uh, for many of us students, at least, who didn't know the language, to the extent that we were out in the rural parts of Holland, didn't speak Dutch, uh, we could go to a local church, but a lot of it would go over our heads not knowing the language. So this mission also had worship services on the base. So you ended up almost becoming like a church, right? They did the sacraments, they had teaching, they had fellowship, they had worship, But at the same time, they did encourage people to get out to the local churches. And in fact, any staff members who were there more than a year or so, I think they were basically ordered, you learn the Dutch language. Uh, Otherwise, you know, you can't hang around because the whole aim is to supplement, to assist the local churches and not take their place. Of course, you've got this narrower focus in your parachurch ministries and becoming very skilled uh, with particular uh, expertise that grows in those. Of course, the local church too needs to have some focus because it's easy for a local church to be seen almost without focus if they don't say we're a missions-minded church or our focus is evangelism or we want to care for the homeless. And uh, so it's not such a wrong thing, I imagine, for the local church to have those focuses. But parachurch organisations working alongside the church, uh, sometimes no doubt there is some conflict because as a parachurch organisation, you want to keep the main church as the main focus too, all building the church together and not doing your own thing. And there's no doubt some challenges for those who are in parachurch to make sure that they are actually building the church. Yes, again, quite right. The... um Uh, boundaries between the two can often be blurred and there is overlap without question. But again, what the church is doing uh, should not be really supplanted by the parachurch ministries, but aided and assisted to help them better do their job. And when the church can't do something, uh, you know, full-time, big-time, say whatever it might be, a crisis pregnancy center, uh, a church can support parachurch groups that are doing work like that. So again, it's kind of a two-way thing, each one assisting the other. Uh, 
or the reason I'd written this piece is I had written the piece before it on, you know, why are the churches silent? Why aren't they speaking out? So actually one guy did write in and said, well, isn't that more the job of the parachurch groups instead of the church? So that's why I did this article. And I said, well, great uh, comments, great questions. On the one hand, yeah, the, the pastor or the priest, whatever, is not there to spend all of his time on political issues or social issues. He's there to feed the flock. But having said that, there's, of course, a place for the pulpit to be used to speak on the issues of the day. Uh, a lot of churches, for example, will have at least one Sunday a year devoted to the life issues. So they might call it a, you know, Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's, you know, one out of, uh, what, 52 weeks. It's not overkill, but it's certainly, uh, you know, the very least I think many churches can do on something like the abortion issue. Other churches do have various ministries they're involved in. And um, again, while a pastor may not so much be uh, in the place of telling his member, okay, this is how I want you to vote at this next election, I think the very least he can give principles. He can say, okay, look, we do have a, well, in this case, a federal election coming up. Uh, Some parties might be more conducive to Christian values and so on than others. So we need to at least do our homework, be aware of the differences, look at the options. So that's something I think most pastors can and should do, uh, right? You don't necessarily guide and tell your parishioners which way to vote, but you do try to make clear uh, there's uh, things, principles that we as Christians believe in that should have an impact on the way we might vote. So we might thank God for those parachurch organizations. And some listeners will be thinking, as you're reflecting even now, Bill, uh, the thought of making political comment. Well, we'd be thankful for groups like the Australian Christian Lobby or Family Voice Australia or the Gospel Coalition. Uh, There's lots of those sorts of groups that actually do support a gospel foundation for the ethical things that we're likely to be thinking about when it comes to our vote. I guess the problem sometimes for people is that if the parachurch became a competitor of the church, then then you would uh, all of a sudden have some suspicion. So there's something sensitive in all of that where everyone needs to respect one another and the speciality that they have with their ministry. Yes, again, uh, it can get complex. uh, It can end up being competition instead of cooperation. That's the ideal. You want these parachurch groups to minister alongside of the church to help them out and not compete with them. Uh, And again, there's a lot of practical ways we have to think about this. Again, not wanting to pick on any group, but... I'm aware of various missions groups as well that sometimes can have these problems. For example, if they're into short-term missions, getting young people exposed to short-term missions, send them off to some country for whatever, a month of evangelism, and then come back to the home base. Well, sometimes if they're not careful and, you know, trying to... Uh, connect with the local churches where they're evangelizing, they can cause friction there. And I've been aware of some instances in church history, past and present, where, you know, a zealous mission group might come in, bring its team for a month, do evangelism, and then head back home to the comforts of its own location. But sometimes leaving the church there 
in a sort of uh, well, not such a good position. They maybe the you know the young evangelists were not as wise or as careful as they could have been. They've left, but the churches that are still there may have to face the music, including sometimes persecution. So that's uh, one obvious example where we really do need cooperation, careful interaction with one another instead of uh, one group pretending we've got all the answers or we're the experts here. So sit down and be quiet, church. We're going to come in and show you how it's done. That's not the way to go. So humility is needed, cooperation, partnership, and then God can get the glory and all that. Humility and cooperation. And Bill, a good reflection on the church and parachurch groups And for listeners who want to read a little more depth in the conversation we're having today, I'll encourage visiting BillMuhlenberg.com or simply Googling Culture Watch One Word. Bill, thanks so much for your insights once again today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 